to How Do You Drew? This is a Drew Barrymore podcast brought to you by thedrewzium.com. And sponsored by our friends at Positive Medium. I'm Anne. And I'm Ashley. And welcome to episode 38. Got, we're running out of cool number things. I don't know what to say about 38. <laughs> we haven't had a cool number thing in a little while. Um, it's just exciting that we're at episode 38. It feels like a big deal. Yeah, we're just keeping it going. Let's do it. Yep, we're on my age of an episode. Oh, so there we go. There we go. <laughs> um, okay, so let's just hop right in with our Oopsie Daisies follow-ups tidbit section, which is just one annoying thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, call go us ahead. a follow-up, I guess. Fraud follow-up. I don't know. I'm trying to think of things, but I'm going to say it didn't work. So... Phony follow-up. No. Yeah, phony. There we go. I don't know. So the day after our Never Been Kissed episode comes out, where we talk about things that didn't age well, and we also specifically talked about Michael Vartan's little story about his excitement mm-hmm. <laughs> while uh-huh. filming the kiss. This article comes out on a website called thethings.com. Not familiar with it. Me neither. And the title of the article is The Awkward Never Been Kissed Confession That Fans Say Proves the Drew Barrymore Film Did Not Age Well. And I was like, oh my gosh, the fans say, like, obviously they're talking about us, right? Yeah. Well, I went through the whole article and there's no mention of our episode. And I just don't know that this could be a coincidence. I mean, is it worth us reaching out to the author and being like, hey, if you used us, cool. If you didn't, like, great research. Because I think it actually is not, it's not a terribly written article, but it'd be a really big coincidence if they didn't use us. I mean, that Michael Vartan confession came out two and a half years ago, right? Yeah. So what would be the purpose of putting it out now, except for seeing, but it's like, we don't, we don't know what the quote unquote buzz is around our podcast, meaning like we don't know who's listening. So I think if it wasn't just this mention over and over in the article, the fans, the fans, I'm like, well, you are the fans. Yeah. (laughs) Why aren't you crediting us? Yeah. I'm so fascinated by it. And I would love to know more. (sighs) Um, Maybe we'll send a sweet little thing to the author and say, Hey, are you a (laughs) Drewby? Did you listen to how do you drew? Just curious. Just like put a little footnote. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So what did Drew love in the things that you encountered this week? Since we don't have new episodes of the show, right? Um, they actually are still airing new oh. segments. Okay. But they, you know, finished filming quite a while ago. Yes. But I'm a little behind. So I only have a handful this week, but they're still good ones. I love love. So this week, Drew loves a cutting board. Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't love a cutting board? <laughs> Cherries. Mm. Oh, that makes me want some cherries. I'm sorry. I know. A fan, and she means the fan that circulates air, not a fan like you and I. Well, I think she also <laughs> loves us. Yeah, obviously. obviously. <laughs> the weekend, and I'll specify this one as well. She means the musical artist, not the Saturday, Sunday weekend. <laughs> not like a long weekend, like Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then finally, she loves honey and a zest. I think we've had lemon zest specifically in this section before, but this time it was just a zest. There's something too about the word zest that I feel like is very Drew. It is. (laughs) Isn't that weird? That is so true. Oh my God. I completely agree with that. (laughs) I'm also thinking about maybe making a page on the podcast website that just has like a list of all the things. 
from every episode. That'd be fun. Would somebody be into that? Maybe. <laughs> if you'd like to read that, let me know and I'll put that together. Okay, so for our truism of the week. Oh, someone's picking up, you know, those cool little isms that we do. I really like this one. We're going to put the audio in because I don't think I could do it justice. <laughs> so Drew had um, Dr. Suzanne Gilbert Lenz on the Drew Barrymore show, and she's been on several times. She, I believe she's a gynecologist and she comes on and talks about all kinds of cool body stuff. They, they call it a, like no shame in the game. I think basically like any question is nothing's off limits. So before they got into things, Drew had this beautiful thing to say. Let's hear it. All right. Why are we all like sheep who just got wooled in a cold field? Like when it comes to like talking about our body. (laughs) So good. So eloquent. So perfect. (laughs) And has the visual. (laughs) Great, great pull for Drew some of the week. I think that it checks all the boxes. I love it. <laughs> but I love that it's just like apropos of nothing. Why are we all yeah. sheep? It's like, Drew, you are the best. Like you never cease to amaze us. Yeah, the way her mind works. <laughs> so um, can you tell me about what you pulled for this week in Drew history? Yeah. And if funnily enough, it like comes into play later on in our main topic. Yep. And that was just a coincidence. <laughs> okay. So this week in Drew history, June 1st, 1991. The E.T. ride opened at Universal Studios Hollywood. <laughs> Drew attended this with her friend, Hadria Lawner, who we only recently found out was the fellow vampire victim in the wonderful Waxwork 2 <laughs> cameo. <laughs> <So> great. <laughs> um, there's pictures of Drew with Steven Spielberg. Uh, I know Henry Thomas is there, but I don't think there's any pictures of them together. Yeah. And I think her look is really cute. Yeah, let's talk about it. Describe Somewhat it. casual, but I think what I love about it is how much about the elements of it, like, personify this, this era of Drew. So there's, like, her, like, kind of curly, looks like it might be... Um, Poison Ivy. Yes, but it looks almost like perm curl. Doesn't look like her natural yeah. curl, right? No, it's poison ivy perm for sure. It's the right, it's the there right There we time. go. Yeah. And then in this one picture that you have in our notes, you can like see a pack of marble reds in her pocket. <laughs> She's of got course. that cross necklace that she wears in like a couple photo shoots at that time. Like, it's so interesting. And the jacket looks like a men's jacket. Do you think it's like her boyfriend's yeah, jacket or something? I don't know. It does have a men's jacket look to it, but that was also kind of like a, just yep. style back yep. then. But it's a great, it's a great early 90s Drew yeah. look for I sure. I really like the way her hair is falling on the sides of her face. It's really cute. And her sunglasses It's are not cute. a way she wore it very often, like pulled back, but sort of out. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you have some other fun things that we can relate to this. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to mention um, when I went to Universal Studios, this my senior trip in 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, this was like, I was really into Drew. Like this is when I was <laughs> senior like. Senior class, 1999. <laughs> 1999. Um, and so of course I was so excited to go on the ET ride. And I noticed because I was paying a lot of attention yeah. that there were almost none, if maybe none, no visuals of Drew in the ride anywhere. So there was like big photos. I think like when you'd be waiting in mm-hmm. line of stills from the movie yeah. and there weren't any of her. And Ooh. I couldn't help but wonder if they were trying to like 
distance themselves from her bad girl image at that time. So this is in 1999 that you went. So you're thinking like they might have like yeah, in 91, they were like, oh, we don't really want to. Ah, but they continue, like, they didn't change it between then and 99, considering how, like, much her yeah. renaissance had happened. Like, that's so right. interesting. It was just a thought I had at the time. That Who would knows, not be but... surprising. Right? Um, but yeah, 1991, like, that's really fresh. <laughs> yeah, interesting. That's super fast. Um, and then, of course, we went together. So the ride was officially closed sadly enough uh march 14th 2003 mm -hmm. which i can't believe that beware the eyes ago. of march am i right <laughs> good one <laughs> it's for real <laughs> i'm like trying to make a pun with eyes and rides right now eyes <laughs> rides <laughs> that rhymes uh, I'm just forever going to be quoting never been kissed from now on. <laughs> I know. Cause we did, we did listen to it yes. a lot. Um, so anyway, we went right before it closed you and I, you went together, yes. which is so fun. So I have a couple of little memories about it. One, which I just remembered and I, I didn't write in the notes is that I found out that the ET ride was closing because I was looking through like a newspaper and saw a little oh. like blurb about it. And I think I reached out to you because you were living like at least somewhat yeah. close by. And I was like, oh my God, we have to go before it closes. And so not long after that, obviously before it closed, we went and I have a recollection that we got season passes that year, but it was like a buy a day, get a year free. <laughs> yeah. It used to be so inexpensive. Like, inexpensive to go to Universal Studios. Oh. I remember you could like take a, coke can that had a promotional thing on it and go for like 20 bucks Bananas. crazy but yes so we so we went we got season passes I, re I recall we might have gone one more time but um so i had a recollection that i have a picture of me around the same time with an et hat on and it's really silly <laughs> yeah it's really funny looking it's like et's face yes, on top, on top of, of my head. head and i see that you responded <laughs> there's one of both tess and i in the hats did yes, we go together yeah, we went with Tess um, like at the end of the year in December. Oh my God, how funny. So the so the ride must have been closed by then, but they still had stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's really funny. Um, So I assume we'll post this one of the pictures of us from the visit, which we look like such babies. It's We were. Oh, it's 20 years ago. So crazy. <laughs> um, okay, so before we get into the big topic, what's new with Drew? Okay. Jeez, I probably should have made more in-depth notes on this, but I guess you guys could just read it yourselves. So on Mother's Day, Drew posted a really cool blog post on her blog, which she doesn't use that often. Um, but it was a really nice long story, tangentially related to Mother's Day, but mostly was really about her time in rehab mm -hmm. and sort of like family therapy. Um, did you read it? I just realized that, no, I never actually sat down and read it. Okay. Yeah, definitely should. I mean, I read it again on Mother's Day. That was two weeks ago. So it's, my memory's not like super sharp about it right now. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't take notes on it, but I know that when I read all of her blog posts, I'm just so grateful that that exists and that she's still every once in a while surprises us and posts something on it. Like- I know. I, I feel like we should be saving them because I have a definitely feeling. Should. Seems like they won't be up forever. Yeah, we definitely should. But I also <laughs> feel like maybe we'll have to just dedicate an episode to the blog or something. Yeah, but I also thought this recent post like will definitely come in handy when we do talk about her time at the ASAP mm -hmm. treatment center. Um, there's new details in there that I found really interesting. Yeah, so we'll go over it more in the future. Then here we go. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So what else we got? 
Okay, so the very popular podcast, you must remember this, they released an episode called 90s Lolitas Volume 1, mm-hmm. and it was mostly about Drew. I found it interesting. Okay, first of all, I'll say it was exceptionally well-researched. Yep. Like, I was, my mind was kind of blown because they were pulling out articles that I feel like would be really difficult to come across mm-hmm. these days unless you had the physical magazines like we do. Yep. Um, and I also couldn't help but wonder if our website was in any way utilized because the fastest way to find out Drew 1992 magazines is through our website. Like it's actually one of our most popular pages on our website. So interesting. And we're like one of the top results. So I was really hoping to see a credit, but uh, the only things that were credited were the actual articles. So part of me feels like I'm sure we were utilized in some way. It would have been really cool to get a shout out from that huge podcast, but regardless to listen to it. I've listened to a couple episodes of this podcast and I have a couple of thoughts about like the way they probably do research is like, like my guess is they might be like in archives, like in magazine archives. Cause like libraries. Yeah. Like, and the reason I think that is because they do podcasts a lot on like old movie stars. Right. And so like that kind of stuff would be harder to find. I'm curious how they've used periodicals on those. I'd have to look into it, but I would like to listen to it. And I'm interested like her, her process because yeah, once again, like you said, we come up if you type like Drew Barrymore in 1992, right? So yeah, we're like the main thing that comes up. But like you said, we're like kind of leading someone toward the resource. Right. So it's like, yeah. we're kind of that in between. We're like the library that leads you to the resource. Like, to be <laughs> honest, it's kind of a cool thing. True, true. Um, And then the other thing I just wanted to say about it is that she also spends a little time talking about Alicia Silverstone. Mm-hmm sort of filling that role um, after Drew. And I didn't realize this, but Alicia was compared to Drew quite a bit. And I didn't know that either. Uh, yeah, and Alicia did not seem to view that favorably. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Especially probably at, the, at that time, like Drew's coming out of a rough patch. So if you're right. rising- She's like the bad girl, you know? So yeah, go listen. I Another thing and just- quickly is it really talked about a lot of the things that we keep bringing up which is like you know we've been talking in a lot of episodes specifically in our 1992 year in review which by the way is one of our most popular episodes so cool. um but just about how drew was sort of exploited or you know viewed sexualized mm-hmm. when she was really young yep. so it was kind of nice that that's sort of in the zeitgeist yep, right now I was gonna say like zeitgeist with the brick shield <laughs> yep. stuff and I'm glad that people are looking at this with a different eye I think it's good to have a critical eye on it and I'm glad that there's yeah. not any shame being put on Drew you know because I feel like Absolutely. at a different time it would have been like shame on her right. and I think we're at a yeah. time where it's like shame on the other people shame on everyone around her who wasn't giving her the knowledge you know, didn't care about how exploitative it was. So it's really fascinating. It's like, I love that though, the way it's coming out, yes, we do want to put blame on somebody, but the culture is literally shifting. So it's like- That's so true. It's society. Um, It will be very interesting when we do our Poison Ivy episode, how we like feel about all this stuff. To be continued. (laughs) All right. So another like well, I guess the most awesome thing we're going to talk about right now. Yeah, you talk about this one. 
Okay, so we became aware somehow of this really cool photography book that is like in pre-order right now by a photographer named Dave Markey. And inside, publisher posted kind of a teaser of some of the images inside. And it includes Mm -hmm. this amazing, amazing picture of Drew that we now know is from her 21st birthday party that has Eric Erlinson, Jane Pratt, Pat Smear of Nirvana, and Bill Bartell, who is White Flag a band that he was in, Ashley? Yeah. And then he also is in Saturday Morning Cartoons. So it all kind of like made sense. Yes. And there was one other picture that when I was looking through on the website for the publisher, there was another picture that we saw. So I was like, I need to buy this immediately. Oh my gosh. We're like dead over the photos. We will share them. Well, it's 1996, black hair, Drew, super like glamorous makeup, like a red sparkly dress. Just delicious. Absolutely (laughs) delicious. That's so true. I immediately, as soon as I found the thing, I was like, hesitated for a split second to pre-order it and then I was like no this is going to be one of those things that I probably won't be able to find again like I need to just order it it was like 55 dollars I think including shipping so hopefully it arrives and I had (laughs) I had this thing of like okay as long as Anne has it that's that's okay um I do want to mention that uh Jane Pratt reached out to us because she said where did you find that picture of all of us and when was it from thanks for the memory So, I mean, I sent her a link to the book and explained what it was and said, we were told it was at Drew's 21st birthday. And who told us that it was at that birthday? Was it? Uh, The publisher. Okay, cool. Yeah, they were really um, helpful. They also identified Bill Bartell for me because I was like, I recognize this guy. Um, And so Jane said, amazing. And I remember that party now and the restaurant, everything so much fun. I'll check out your podcast and that book also. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jane. Yeah, Thank you, Jane. I would, you're you're like a dream guest of ours, Jane, if you're listening. So I told her, so (laughs) (laughs) come on, come on, Jane. Yeah, that would be questions for you. Lots of questions and (laughs) safe space, safe space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Last thing that we want to mention is that Drew attended VCon. Um, maybe you can explain who this guy is better than I can. Yeah, the only thing I'll say really quickly, um, his name is Gary V. Maybe his name is a little bit longer. Just a quick editor's note, his name is Gary Vaynerchuk. But he's like inspirational guy, aggressively inspirational guy. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a good description, but that's... That's all I got for you. Um, and she was there. It feels accurate. <laughs> she was there to talk about Beautiful, right? Yeah. So she was there with Shay Hong, her partner mm-hmm. in Beautiful. And um, man, it looked like a huge crowd of people yeah. that they were speaking in front of. Um, saw a lot of clips on Instagram. There was one really cute one I saw on Twitter. I should have gotten the user's name, but uh, he was wearing a shirt, I guess, with Drew's face on it. Oh. And she, when she like walked in, she saw him and she was like, oh my God, I love your shirt and give him a hug. Oh, really cute. cute. We, you can always link to it. Yeah. Good idea. But yeah. So she kind of just, it seemed like she mostly was talking about being authentic mm-hmm. and, and, you know, probably also being very inspirational in what she was saying, yep. I would imagine. <laughs> I think it's a good fit. I, I feel like it works for Drew because she's got those spurts of like aggressive positive positivity for sure. <laughs> There's like a couple of cool things I pulled from the article that you linked to about the event. Yeah. So a couple of things that Drew said that feel like you were kind of talking about authenticity. She said about kind of like building a brand. She said, being you is your biggest asset, which I loved. 
And then totally this true. thing, this other thing felt very, very like true to Drew. She said, be around people who encourage you to be you, which I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like this, that just really encapsulates one of the things we love about Drew is her like, you know, she's just like surround yourself with people that you love and, and respect. It's like, yeah. yeah. Okay, so the other thing was we mentioned on a previous episode that Drew had been called by I forget what publication it was. I don't know if you remember, but had been I think it was LA Times. That sounds right. She'd been called the Millennial Oprah. And during this event, they said that she could also be called the Millennial Martha Stewart. And Drew's reply <laughs> was like, Oh my God, she's so cool. And talked about the um of course. the recent um is it Sports Illustrated that Martha oh, yeah, did yeah, yeah. and like her partnership yeah. with Snoop Dogg. And I just thought it was kind of neat for Drew to be like getting these like names of sort of like the last generation of daytime TV, you know, like so good. So it's really sweet. But uh, Oprah and Martha Stewart, like, oh yeah, want to be in that. She would never not love that. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And I just wanted us to play this quick clip. This is from at manager John J O N on Instagram. He posted this really cool video of Drew's presentation, really well edited. And he had this audio and it really spoke to me because I feel like you could um, apply this to why we started this podcast and why we enjoy doing it so much. Yeah, so, totally. All right. So let's listen. Pieces of business advice I ever got in my life. He said, I want you to go out there and look at everything that you see and tell me what you see. And I say, I've done that. I've done the research. I've looked at everything. I've got it. Now tell me what you don't see and go do that. And I thought it was the smartest thing I'd ever heard in my life. Find the white space. Find the blank. Find the thing that you wish that was out there that you don't see. And do that. Do the thing you wish existed. But do what it is that's so burning inside of you that you just, again, you can't extinguish it because you're so passionate for it to exist out in the yeah. Oh, thank yeah. you, John, first of all, for putting that together. Yep. And yeah, I really feel like we wanted this podcast to exist. Yep. So we were like, we need to make it. Yep. I think <laughs> I agree with you. And it is really good advice. The other thing about the editing, though, is it sort of feels like it's like something scary is going to happen. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> it's got like a really well, scary score to it she's very serious about it she is very ser- she's a very serious businesswoman <laughs> it's going to be really interesting to compare that kind of feeling of who drew is now with our weekly topic which we'll get yeah. into yeah how are you drewbies We want to tell you about our sponsor, Positive Medium. We've actually been clients of theirs for at least 10 years, and they take care of all of our website needs for thedrewzam.com. They offer custom web design and professional coding, search engine optimization, marketing, and hosting. So we've been hosted by them, but we've also been able to take advantage of a lot of their expertise in these other areas as well. Absolutely. So customer service is the biggest draw for us with this company. They have saved our site literally from obliteration quite a few times, but then they also help us with minor issues in just like literally a matter of minutes. So if we have like a coding question or just like something on the back end we can't figure out, we reach out to them and we get an answer back and the issue is solved within moments. 
We're so excited that Positive Medium is allowing us to offer our listeners 25% off managed WordPress hosting plans using our promo code DREW, D-R-E-W, of course. Um, And if you want to take advantage of this, visit positivemedium.com. We really, really vouch for these people. They've been so great to us and will continue to be great to us, I I can only imagine. (laughs) I mean, they're great by offering this to our listeners. So take advantage. Again, it's promo code DREW, of course. Okay, are we ready for our weekly topic? We're always ready. Let's do it. <laughs> of course so we, we are. are. Yeah, we're going to talk about the June 1993 issue of Details Magazine. Drew was on the cover, and we have a really fun article and some fantastic pictures. So let's start talking about it. Um, just to put this in perspective, Drew was 18. <laughs> and weirdly, we timed this. Well, I'll pretend I did it on purpose. Yeah. Um, this would have come out exactly 30 years ago because it would have come out May 1993. And now we're in May 2023. So that's wild. I mean, we're just really, really great at instinctually <laughs> timing things. Like, there you go. We didn't know that we were just naturally <laughs> um, marketing. We're gifted that way. <laughs> yes. 30 years, wild. That's so crazy. I, I think it's strange that not, I wasn't a Drew fan at this time, but like, I remember that year vividly whenever yeah. that happens. And then I like, look at how much time it's been. I'm like, that's no. how you know. Yeah, that's how you know you're old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So the photos for this magazine were done by Albert Watson, who also did details in 1996. And then the picture of Drew with Val Kilmer in 1995, was that also for a details issue? Yes, it was. Okay, cool. I love that picture. Oh, I know. It's such a weird like one-off random picture. He actually posted that recently and explained like this was pre-Photoshop. So he just like did some sort of developing trick because Val's upside down in it. It's like a Batman reference. But yeah, it wasn't done through Photoshop. It was like however you would develop two photos together, I guess. The double exposure or something. Okay. I, I think I assumed that maybe they like had him like hanging or they were like laying or something else like that they did some practical effect. But yeah, it is really weird. That's cool. I know it is cool. <laughs> we'll see if I can find the post. Okay, that's cool. Side extra bonus trivia for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue. Continue. Okay, so the hair was done by John Sahag. Sahag. John (laughs) (laughs) makeup was done by someone named Rumiko another little editor's note that I thought would be fun to mention Rumiko also did the makeup for Rolling Stone 1995's layout so that's pretty cool back to the show and the styling was done by William Mullen who also did the details 1996 as well so I think he was maybe a details stylist or he just liked the photographer I don't know yeah I was wonder. I always wonder what those kind of things like if they were both there was it like oh the photographer styling team you know yeah exactly it's just just interesting little bits um okay so now let's get into the photos which are actually really cool and interesting as a set (laughs) yeah what do you like I was trying to think of something to say about them broadly and I was like they all feel different enough that I don't think I could describe them but I sort of tried to like in my mind like it's kind of punk rock but kind of like bombshell yeah kind of I don't know I would agree with that it's very awesome 90s yeah black and white except for the cover uh yeah I think that definitely sums it up yeah they're rad so do you want to go ahead and start with the first 
Okay. So our cover is very unique. Never seen anything else from it, which is <laughs> wild to think about. Um, Drew is upside down on the cover. Speaking of being upside down, maybe that was a thing he liked. <laughs> She's laying on her back and her legs are up in the air and mm-hmm. you can see her moon tattoo and a little bit of her cross tattoo. Yeah. And it's just really cute. And her hair is like glamorously curled and just like a crown around her. It's definitely supposed to have a like, well, there's a giant headline on the magazine that says generation sex and sex is gigantically across <laughs> the magazine, which is, you know, like we've mentioned, it's, it's interesting. So there's, there's a couple of things. I feel like when I look at this cover, I've seen it so many times that I literally like don't see the sex anymore. You know how that, <laughs> like, you know how that happens? The yeah. invisible sex, like things like that, that impact you. It's like, at first, it's sort of that primal first thing. And then if you become desensitized to even like words like that, you know, totally. But the other thing I was going to say that the style of it has like a very pinup. The cover yes. is very pinup like and yeah. also the way it's like colorized, like she's it's like completely white background. Her hair has like a golden tone that almost looks like it was black and white and then colorized. Like it's sort of an interesting. You know, <laughs> yeah, I see even what though you're saying. I don't think that's the case, but it looks like a like a pinup playing card if you've ever seen those you know like <laughs> yes it's really cute <laughs> and i do like that the headline for her part says the flip side of drew barrymore it was a pretty cute idea <laughs> that is very cute okay so now getting into the first image that appears in the issue i'm not sure if there's anything in the contents but i don't believe that there is yeah, i don't think so is a full page picture. I'm sure that you love this one as well. I love this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was almost like, should I take it? <laughs> but um, she's sitting at a diner counter. And the cool thing about this, and this might be the only one, we have an outtake of this one. So the only outtake. <laughs> yep. So there's a couple of things we've got. We know where it's, where it's located because of the outtake. Yes, because you can see in the outtake, it has the neon sign for this diner. It was called Florent. Mm -hmm. It was a diner in New York. It was kind of legendary, it sounds like, but unfortunately it closed back in 2008. So bummer. Bummer. (laughs) Cool little factoid about this, but she's smoking in it. She's got this pout, like... Her face is just perfect, including the cigarette. I'm sorry. I know. Only Drew. (laughs) Uh, Like, what else can you kind of pinpoint about it that makes it so dreamy? Um, It's just very much 90s Drew. The leopard print mixed with like a camo jacket makes no sense, but she totally makes it work. I I didn't even notice that, actually. (laughs) And I always like that big like cuff bracelet she's wearing. Mm -hmm. She might be wearing two, actually. Mm -hmm. I think she's wearing a cuff like with two different types of spikes on each arm. (laughs) she just looks like it's glamour and punk rock at the same time like you said that's a perfect way to describe it yeah oh it's so dreamy yeah um the next one is her driving Mm -hmm. can't tell what she's driving um I was imagining like a big bus yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's so weird (laughs) there's no reason to think that I always thought it was something big too not a car yeah and she's making this like devious face almost evil looking but it's really cool did I already say that I feel like each picture is a different character no but I could see okay so I think I was maybe thinking of saying it kind of at the end of this but this is why I thought of it because this one yeah like it feels like there's more to the story I know (laughs) god I would love to I just noticed she still has the cuff yeah 
I can't tell if anything else is the same. And this is a small one. It only takes up about a quarter of a page, but. Yep. And she's got a butterfly ring. I don't know if you already said that. No, but I noticed it. Yeah. Like, I feel like the other one feels like an elevated, glamorous version of Drew herself. This one is like a character Mm -hmm. (laughs) or something. The mad trucker. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The movie that she was working at the time that didn't quite work out. That's it. That's it. (laughs) okay so then the next one this is the last one i guess (laughs) sadly um is also amazing and i was going to ask what your favorite is this one's my favorite um i'll explain this and then i'll let you take a breather and then you can decide okay um so this one is again black and white again she's smoking and looks like she's leaning against a wall kind of draping one of her hands over her waist and just glancing off to the side, like coolest chick in the world. I know. I can't believe she's only 18. What? Oh my God. <laughs> and she's got a shirt on that says too fast to live, too young to die, which I don't know what that's actually from, but I feel like that was like a famous. It was definitely a thing. Yeah. yeah. But that's what gives it like the punk rock feel. For Plus sure. I always associate like leopard skull. print with punk rock, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And now you saying again, she's 18. I think my, when I think of this, I think of like myself who was only like, 14 or something when I first saw this 13 you know yeah and then thinking like oh my god that like adult woman <laughs> even though even though it was already older at that point yeah it's wild so it's, it's weird to look back now and think like I'm 20 years older than the girl that's photographed right there <laughs> okay stop you're scaring me <laughs> okay so that one's your favorite that's my favorite okay I think I have to go with the diner one yeah they're all just beautiful though. And yeah, our one outtake, like you said, is at the diner and that's all we've ever seen. And we've only seen that because it was in a gallery somewhere and like one or two people online, like posted it, like a picture of it on Instagram. And I was like, what the heck is that? So we haven't even seen like a yeah. good version of it. Just like one hanging on a wall. Yep. Oh, Albert Watson, hook us up, man. Yeah, truly hook us up. I mean, <laughs> I love the other photo shoot he did in Details 96, too. Oh, the one with Tim Roth? Yeah, it's so cool. Oh, beautiful. Okay. I mean... He's, he's good at his job. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. Okay, so now let's jump into the article, which turns out is rad. I mean... <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! Well, we had talked about doing this because this is by Chris Heath, who mm-hmm. has done two of our other favorites, episodes we've already covered, actually. I should get those mm-hmm. episode numbers ready to go. Whoops, sorry. He did S1907, which is one of my absolute favorites. And we covered that one in episode 15. Okay. And then he also did Rolling Stone 2000, which is the last magazine episode that we did. And that is our episode number 34. So when we were doing that one, we realized, oh, this guy has had a long relationship interviewing Drew. Mm -hmm. They're like considered friends at that point. Let's go back to Mm -hmm. the beginning and read their first encounter. And I love that we kind of accidentally on purpose did that. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I love when that happens. I know. I wish Chris Heath had an online presence. He really does not. I've tried to find him to reach out, but no such luck. So Chris, if you find us. Yeah. If you hear this because your friends are like, come on, you got to listen to this podcast. Like they're (laughs) now on the third profile we did with Drew Barrymore and we know you love Drew, but it's okay. When we're best friends with Drew Barrymore, (laughs) <laughs> we'll hang out with Chris. It's okay. Oh, perfect. Like, perfect. It's going to our next life. 
I want to go ahead and give a disclaimer at this point, because this article contains mentions of a lot of sensitive topics, including eating disorders, guns, drug addiction, domestic abuse, underage sex. And we will briefly kind of touch on these things. So if any of that, you know, if you're with, you know, mixed audience, you might want to listen to this one later. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Okay. So, um, we start out kind of talking about Drew's difficult and lonely early childhood, Mm -hmm. um, her friendship with ET, which is cool. (laughs) Cause that was like her one friend. It felt like, yeah. And then it continued talking about how the fame from ET must be a burden sometimes. And Mm -hmm. Drew said that the Universal Studios tour, which is so funny that we were talking about the Universal Studios ride today. So funny. Yes. She said that she always gets called out and really embarrassed, but this didn't totally track for me because the ride is not part of the tour. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. But she said, when we get to the ET part, which maybe at that point there was something on the tour. Uh, yeah. She might just be mixing it up. Yeah. But she's... the ET ride was a totally different thing. Totally different, yeah. But she said yep. they always go, we've got a special passenger on the bus and Miss Barrymore, would you do the honor of riding the bicycle? And she said every time she refuses and says, I don't think so. I don't even have to do that in the movie. I think um, there's a couple things that could be possible. I think m- maybe they had like a bike out and they were like, yeah. In the movie, our famous Universal Studios film, E.T., they ride a bike and they might be like, does anyone want to ride it usually or something <laughs> Maybe, instead yeah. of just the ride? But, you know, in the ride itself, it was like you were sort of like, quote unquote, riding a bike. Yeah, it was but so fun. I missed that it ride. It is <laughs> funny that she remembers it being like part of the tour. Mm-hmm. It was it was a fun little ride. <laughs> it was cute. And you would give them your name when you were in line and then E.T. would say goodbye to you. Yes. Like we started to do like Drew or like Daisy, right? Probably. (laughs) That tracks. We at least talked about it. All right. So they have a quick summary of Little Girl Lost, which like we've said, someday we'll go over it. We're not just dismissing it because (laughs) we just know there's a lot of information about that out there. So they're just kind of rehashing that part. And then they talk about Drew's post rehab career. First kind of mentioning that there were casting directors that were laughing at Drew for having the nerve to audition, which like, imagine how painful that would be. Um, She kind of refuses to talk about the movie Doppelganger (laughs) and says this great line, which is like, has a Drewism vibe to it. Yes. It says, you'd stick needles in your eyes rather than watch that. (laughs) And I'm just realizing it came out that year. So she was definitely like not promoting it. She didn't have a problem. She wasn't going to get in trouble, apparently, or didn't (laughs) care if she did. (laughs) And then she kind of gets props for her performances in Poison Ivy, Gun Crazy, and Amy Fisher. And it talks about how she's kind of got this new persona in these characters of the willfully sexy, alluring teenage misfit. Which is so funny because this totally tracks with that, um, you must remember this podcast about how she was like, intentionally sexy teen which is just like such a weird like when you think about that that's like "Mm." (laughs) yeah there's something later in this article that kind of touches on that a little bit more and we can talk about this a little bit more of just like how drew felt about that yeah but the last thing i wanted to say that was in this little chunk was uh chris wrote suddenly anything was possible she could act after all 
She could be famous for what she is, not just infamous for what she was. And maybe she could be happy. I love that. Yeah. I just liked that because it was it was like a hopeful kind of like suddenly Drew can make decisions on her own. Yeah. You know? Oh. That's really cool. Okay. So Chris and Drew meet at a coffee shop near her house. And mm-hmm. she brings along her assistant, Kim Greitzer, and her mm-hmm. best friend slash roommate, Justine Baddeley. Mm-hmm. And Justine talks about how she calls Drew Lulu. Mm-hmm. And she made up the name one day because she wanted to get Drew's attention, but she knew if she shouted Drew, everyone would stare. So she calls her Lulu at this point. It's really cute. And uh, it talks about how Drew hates being stared at like she's from another planet. And if you recall, that's one of the reasons she related to Josie Grossi or Josie Mm -hmm. and Never Been Kissed because, you know, it was for different reasons that Josie was stared at, but that's like Drew understood that feeling. Of like, oh, you are different and everybody's looking at you because of it. Totally. And if you haven't listened to our episode about Never Been Kissed, please do. It's episode 37, the one we recorded immediately before this. So it's fresh in our mind. Yeah. What are you waiting for? (laughs) But yeah, we're really proud of that episode. So this next part is interesting and I'm going to like tread lightly on it because there's sort of the sort of a little bit of eating disorder dismissal. And also just like the specifics it gets into about her weight is just weird. The only thing I wanted to say is that it was interesting that it really felt like an 18 year old in the way that we don't like Drew feels older to us at this point, but like she was only 18. So she literally says like, I was trying out an eating disorder and it was like cringe. Like this is not, people don't try them on. You have one or you don't have one, you know, like, So it's, I was, it was just sort of like, it felt very like she's young. Like I immediately was like, not only would that not, maybe not fly now. Cause people would be like, you're canceled yeah. for saying something like oh that, my God. but you know, it's just really interesting. And I wanted to talk about it because I think even Drew would be like, I didn't know what I was talking yeah, about, you know, like, she's like, she's has her own isolation. Um, but one thing that I thought was cool, just because I looked it up and I was like, oh, I can see it. So this part is like Chris is describing Drew and he talks about her shorter hair and she said that she'd cut it all off after seeing an actress named Patsy Kensett in a movie called 21 or is it a TV show? I think it was a movie. So I was like, I just have to see like what she's talking about. And then when like one of the first caps that came up, I was like, oh, is this really cute? (laughs) Yeah. Like curly haired kind of blondie brunette. And I was like, oh yeah, I can see it. (laughs) I love that you pulled that. Yeah. Chris S. says, and this is an interesting, this would make a weird sentence. Um, Most of the time she is disconcertingly pretty, although occasionally, just for a moment, the face of a plain, almost dumpy teenager peers through. The reason why I kind of like it, though, is just it's like dumpy almost has like a, she's like normal, but also she can probably make like a face like some bratty kid would. Yeah. You know, like. So it is funny to to use the word dumpy. Like, I don't think you would talk about a teenager that way in in print (laughs) anymore, but no, yeah. Got away with a lot back then. Yep. Um, He also mentions that she's dresses like in baggy casual clothes. And this sentence I I like, um, even though again, she's only 18, but it says her charm and sexiness are far more subtle than the vampy voluptuousness shows on screen, which we've definitely mentioned how like she can turn on that persona, but in real life, she just feels like a big dork. So yep, exactly. She really does. Like she really hits both. I think that's why it's like 
he's saying like one after the other like she's just considerably pretty but also like it kind of is like she is Josie Grossi, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then it's like she's a vamp, but she's also like this dork and sweet and sweetheart. Like it's like all all of it. Yep, yep, yep. That <laughs> tracks. So then Chris also wrote, um, and I just liked this. She can talk in a tone and confidence that belie her years, but for all her past exploits, she maintains an apparently uncalculated innocence. As a social seduction, it works a treat. That is fun. And yeah. Just kind of piggybacking on that, Tamara Davis, who of course directed her in Gun Crazy and a couple other movies, mm-hmm. but at this point, just Gun Crazy. Her quote was, she wants you to like her and you like her. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, and according to Chris, that withdrew, there are plenty of sweet smiles, engaged eye contact, and each time you part, the biggest hug you could get from such a small person. <laughs> she makes you want to look after her but leaves you in no doubt that she could look after herself just fine that still tracks a thousand percent that's true one thousand wow. <laughs> and i feel like she would read that and go like yeah <laughs> <laughs> totally that's always the pr- i've always wanted people to think i think and know i'd be fine i've always wanted people to know the strength of my love like yeah i identify with this well so you much. are the biggest hug giver i know yeah so. <laughs> but I also am like, here's all of my love in a hug. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so in this part of the article, Drew, Justine, and Kim are kind of chatting about teenagers or like kids these days, kind of. And they say they have the freedom to make their own choices and they kind of go off on this interesting little thing related to this. And Drew says, you got to touch the stove to see how hot it is. And Chris makes a joke about her having burns. And then he feels a little bad because he's like teasing her. (laughs) And I I like this. Drew laughs and says, I was never one of those who could just hear about it. I always had to touch it. (laughs) And she's still definitely, I feel like I've heard her say that kind of recently. (laughs) Yep. It totally feels right. Like she's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I got to find out for myself. Yeah. Um, so then they go and walk to her apartment. She was not living in her house anymore because she had shared that with Jamie Walters and Mm -hmm. their breakup was pretty fresh and it was too painful for her. Yeah. That's interesting. In this article, she said she was the one that broke things off, but that doesn't match all the other accounts that we know about. So I don't know what, who knows? Um, it doesn't really matter. We just know she was heartbroken about it either way. Yeah. And in an unrelated conversation later on, Chris asked her like, what's the first thing you think of when you wake up and she said Jamie just his name so she was definitely still hurting about this yeah I think we had alluded in the episode we did about like 1992 like assuming this was had to be her big like first big breakup the one she had with Jamie so like I I didn't remember having read this before like how she does talk about him but and probably at the time, maybe I hadn't experienced heartbreak like I have now, yeah. you know? So I'm like, I look back at it and go like, yeah, I get it. That name <laughs> thing totally tracks for me. Like, I totally know what that feels like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get that. This was cute too. So Drew's like apologizing that her apartment's a mess. Although Chris writing the article is like, it's actually pretty clean. <laughs> <laughs> and Drew talks about that she and Justine are moving soon. And uh you made this note that we can maybe assume that it's the house that the guest money paid for. Yeah. Actually, you guys should go listen to our episode number six. So way back in the beginning of the pod, uh, we talk about the guest campaign and get into details about how she 
really wanted to find a house and then guests came a call in and she had the money for it. <laughs> so cool. I love when the stuff gets connected. Yeah, in our, me too. In our minds. So Drew talks about that she and Justine like to stay in and read and make art. And she talks about that they recently played dress up, which I was like, that's way too cute. I can't, I can't, but it's also like kind of shows like they're young, they're playful. Yeah. Like Drew's trying to like have fun and be a kid for the first time also. Oh it's my like gosh, strange. so true. And then this was just kind of an interesting little tidbit. There's a box on Drew's bedroom floor and she says it's a suit that Steven Spielberg sent her made by Armani that was sent to her for her 18th birthday. And she said she cried. And I was just like, have we seen this suit? I was so curious and we speculated, but nothing really fit exactly. Like didn't look like like all one suit. There were some blazers, yeah. but nothing really. I don't sure. know Armani that well. <laughs> Me neither. Maybe someone else. You know what? If anyone else finds out or if you look at pictures around you know that what? time. I bet I could ask my friend Alex, who's so good at tracking down like 90s clothing. Totally. He probably know. <laughs> We'll follow up if we think we find out what it is. It'd be kind of fun. Perfect. Uh, so Chris goes on to describe her bedroom more in depth. And he says in her bedroom are clothes, a sunflower bedspread, which is so cute. <laughs> I definitely had one of those in uh, 94. Um, a framed photo of Audrey Hepburn and Breakfast at Tiffany's. A photo of herself that's half hidden by a framed fragment of quilt. I would love to know more about that. Me too. I'm like, <laughs> what's the photo and what's the quilt? Know, like both right? of those things. And then yes. he says somewhere beside her bed, though she doesn't show it, is the gun Jamie gave her. Yeah. And I did not remember this from anything before. So I was like, have we heard about this? <laughs> yeah. And you remembered that we had in another magazine from like around that time. Yeah. So weird though. Then Chris continues to describe the parts of her room. And he says at the foot of her bed is a little photo gallery. Mostly they are her friends. And she introduces them as though they were there. She passes over some without comment. There's an old photo of a man. Maybe it's her father. Um, and then they continue to talk about her father a little bit. And she says... She has one thing that her father has ever given her that she like cares about that ever meant anything. And she said it's an old white shirt made out of soft, thick Indian cotton from her dad that he tossed at her one day yeah. that she sometimes sleeps in. But she kind of like says like, that's the only real thing he's ever given me. I can totally visualize him just like throwing it at her. Hey, daughter. Yeah. Take this. Yeah. And then she cherished it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just so sweet and sad. And we'll get more into yeah. that um, as the article goes on. We'll talk about her dad some more, as all these articles did back then. <laughs> Every single one. Yep. It says that every night Drew has a bath and that often she kneels beside her bed and prays. And uh, she said she'd probably shit in her pants and have a heart attack if God ever answered her. <laughs> <laughs> I was also kind of surprised... A couple of times it mentions like her mentioning religion and her father, like mentioning like the Bible and like yelling at yelling at her about Bible verses. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like we knew something like that before. I just didn't remember that part for some reason. But can't like, you visualize it? Absolutely. Yeah. So Drew at that point was wearing a t-shirt that Justine had painted the other day <laughs> and it shows stick drawings of the two of them smiling, which is so cute. And yeah. underneath she wrote, I love you, Lulu, with all my heart. <laughs> well, I really wish we had a picture. I know. Um, Justine talks about what a sweet friend Drew is. She tells a story of Drew punching some actor for her and cutting his face open. <laughs> Go Drew. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then about 10 times while they're together, Drew tells Chris how grateful she is for her friends who are her family, which of course is a 
constant theme in Drew's life. Absolutely constant. I was like, yep, yep, yep. This is like 30 years later, same, same, same. Yep. <laughs> um, she gets, a, the article gets a little bit into the family history about the Barrymores and then Drew's dad, including his abuse, which you can go back and, you know, see other resources about this, including Little Girl Lost. But then Drew says, half of him was a shithead, but I was always so desperate as a child to have his acceptance because I couldn't have it. I always wanted him to be proud of me. She pauses. I still do, I think. You do, Drew. We know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. We always, like, no matter what, we always want our parents to be proud. Yeah. Like, and that's, you know. Yeah. All right. Um. So then Chris and Drew meet up again the next day, which is fun. Like, I feel like all of his articles, he spends multiple days with her. And this time she was wearing another homemade t-shirt. And this one was covered with daisies, of course. So we get a little, of course it was. little bit of daisy talk at this point. Yep. He quickly mentions her tattoos. Um, and, you know, we get the note that we mentioned in our tattoo episode, but how her flowers on her left hip were originally just a rose, but she didn't like it. So she added daisies to that. Yep. Should we call it our tattoo episode? Number 12. I know that one by heart. <laughs> like oh my god how many episodes go listen to this one go listen to that one go do that (laughs) if you haven't listened to all of them you need to listen to all of them (laughs) just go back to number one and hit play (laughs) even (laughs) hit play and don't stop until you're done and then start over because you probably missed some because you were sleeping Anyway, so I love this part. She starts talking about her black Bronco with a daisy sticker on the rear, um, which was being washed around the corner while they were talking. And she (laughs) says, I love my car so much. I care so much about this car. I pet it. I talk (laughs) to it all the time. (laughs) Then she says she's not a good driver and crashes all the time. And we wanted to pull a little bit from Drew's book, Wildflower, because they talk about the same car yeah so there's a chapter that's called bronco it's the seventh chapter they're not numbered but if you wanted to know where to find it it's early on in the book my car didn't have a name per se it was just a metaphor for my life wild bull in china shop reckless i was around 17 and still living in west hollywood going on auditions again while trying to revive my career but not in any spotlight. It was just me and my Bronco. Yeah, which is amazing. (laughs) I love it. So she describes it in different color here. So I don't know if these are two different Broncos. I picked out my two-tone car with a navy blue bottom and a tan hard top because it looked like a big box and I liked cars that were high up. Short woman's complex. And it made me feel like a badass. I fitted it with a CB radio and an illegal megaphone that came out the front below the grill, and you could shout crazy things and give people a real jump. I loved loved it. it. (laughs) But yeah, this really does tie into the article. It starts talking about... I just loved hanging out with my two best friends, Justine and Mel. Justine and I were roommates, and we had a little house up in the hills. We would go out, party, paint smoke cigarettes and take polaroids that's what we did it totally is the same era yeah awesome yeah so if you haven't read wildflower like what are you doing (laughs) yes yeah if you haven't read wildflower why are you listening to us (laughs) i'm just kidding listen to us over and over and over again like we said (laughs) 
<laughs> um, I love this little bit. So she puts on a tape that Jamie made for her, which is sad. Yeah. There were a couple albums that she said were her favorites, including the Trinity Sessions by the Cowboy Junkies and This Woman's Work by Kate Bush. So then they go get Justine and they go to Sherman Oaks Castle to play mini golf. Actually, I should ask my husband. He grew up in Sherman Oaks. I'll have to ask him if he went there. I'm sure he did. That's so funny. (laughs) Probably. And I think maybe I've been there. Oh, that's cool. To play mini golf. Oh, I love that. How cool. Um, And Drew insists on going second. And talks about how two is her lucky number because of her birthday and all that, which I relate to because she's two, 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 and I'm one, one, one. So So I totally get that. (laughs) And if you didn't know her lucky number was two, what are you doing here? (laughs) We're just going (laughs) to yell at you guys the whole time. (laughs) Just kidding. But we have to bring it up in case you're new. And if you're a newbie, Drewby, that's okay. You're welcome here. Don't worry. (laughs) You are welcome. Don't worry. And we are going to fill you in on every little detail you could ever need about Drew. Yes, you're going to be sick of of us more than you'll be about Drew. (laughs) Um, And then Chris says that Drew often launches into a litany of the world's simple, natural joys, which I feel like is basically what our uh, segment Drew Loves is every week. Yep, (laughs) totally. And she says she used to feel guilty and like she wasn't allowed to enjoy things, which is like, oh, we've heard her say that too. Yeah. Um, But she said that she and Justine had recently had one night of complete happiness where they ran around naked on the beach at night and swung on a deserted swing. And on the way home, they stopped at McDonald's. So again, (laughs) this is just like Drew's just trying to have a normal life and just do simple, fun things, which is so cool. Yep. Yep. And then at this point in the article, they're like sitting outside eating churros and Justine makes fun of Richard Marks music playing, which I can't remember if I know who Richard Marks is. Do you? Is he like, like cheese ball? Yeah. Yeah. It's like 80s, okay. you know, okay. adult contemporary. <laughs> okay. And she says that Richard Marks is the kind of guy who would wear beige snakeskin boots. And then she goes into this part that I'm just like, I did not remember this at all. Maybe because I've gotten oh. into true crime since like the last time I read this. I don't know. But she says that those boots saved her life once because she was asked out by one of the Menendez brothers at a pizza parlor, but said no because of his beige snakeskin boots. And if you don't know, the Menendez brothers murdered their parents. And it was literally like a few months later, Drew saw on the news after being hit on by one of them, like wild. Yeah, I kind of agree about beige snakeskin boots. Oh yeah, that'd be a big no for me. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. (laughs) We would have been, you know, not into the Menendez brothers either, Drew. (laughs) And then she mentions that the last time she went to Magic Mountain, Daffy Duck tried to ask her out. (laughs) And that made me laugh because I thought about those photos of her at the 1998 Time for Heroes where she's dancing with Daffy Duck. (laughs) It's so great. So great. So random. Yes. Now we're back to dad talk. <laughs> it's funny how it just keeps coming up. So she talked about how difficult it is to like track him down. Cause he just trips around and she says, our family's crazy. And I know his childhood was very hard, but at one point in his life, he had something to go with and he fucked it up. And I can't understand people like that. Maybe people think that I tried to do that, but I wasn't trying to ruin myself. I never wanted to hurt what I had. So interesting. So great. Yeah. I mean, that just shows like how different she could have been and decided not to be. Yep. She talks about how she kind of keeps her dad away from everyone in her life. So I'm guessing like her friends don't really need him or spend any time with him. But Jamie had a chance to meet him, which I thought was interesting. But she was pretty serious about him. So even though she was 18, she was trying to like, you know, find 17. Her... Oh, God, that's true. Because it was the year before. 
So she talks about that she and her dad had a fight the day that Jamie met her dad because he kept telling her a story about how he had scattered her grandfather's ashes. And then she said she wanted to be buried under an avocado tree. And she was like very insistent about it. Um, And he said without interest, well, I hope that happens for you, which really upset her. So she walked out crying and he started quoting Bible verses. This is the part that I was like, why? I don't remember this. And they just left. So I thought that was like an interesting segment, but it was all like these like really emotional, a lot of turmoil around like her dad. But very fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris says that even though everything she says about her dad is basically terrible, he gets the feeling that if her dad was to show up and say he loved her, she'd be the happiest girl in the world, which I feel like that tracks. I mean, it makes me think about how before he passed away, he looked at Drew's feet and told her that she was made perfect. I know. And it was like, finally, she got what she needed. Yeah. I don't remember where she talks about that, but like that has always stuck with me. Yeah. It's like, and no matter what your relationship is with like your parental figure, whatever that person is, if they like say something to you that's encouraging or shows that they think that you're wonderful, it's like, you know, maybe I'm like, maybe that's only my experience or maybe that's like only some people's experience, but I feel like there's something so deep about that. Well, especially if you never had it. She never had it from him. And, you know, yeah, anyway, that's true. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Yes. No more dad time. <laughs> <laughs> so then it just kind of talks about her career and, you know, starts all the way back with the Gainsburger commercial and Altered States being her film debut. Yeah. So school was scary, but acting was safe, which tracks out of things we said before. Like she didn't have a good time when she was in like regular school, but on set, she was having a great time. She could be another person, which always felt safe to her. Um, Her mom kind of was a cool mom. So she taught her like (laughs) bedtime stories were Dostoevsky and Henry Miller and her lullaby music was Janis Joplin and the Doors. And Drew was instead like scared of big birds. So it's like, she didn't really, you know, have this experience. She said, I was always supposed to act older and professional, responsible. So I had, I had not a fucking clue what age I was, which makes total yeah. sense. Talk about something that tracks. Like we, we never understand her age. It never makes sense. Neither does she. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she said that she kind of became an adult at the age of 13. And we've said this quote before, but I don't know if we could identify what it's from, or maybe she said it many times. Something changed inside me. My childhood took the stairs and I took the elevator down to the lobby. And then says that she really kind of grew up like this year. She's talking about the year of the article. And she seems proud of where her life is at at that point. She also, you know, she might be an adult, but she also wears a chicken hat whenever she needs cheering up. (laughs) Uh, So she wears this hat that like makes you look like a chicken, apparently. And it makes her laugh. And she doesn't mind when people stare at her when she's wearing it because it's for, you know, that reason instead of who she is. Yep, I like that. And it also said that she has insomnia and when she does, she reads or writes and that she was currently into writing erotic poetry (laughs) and uh, gets a little more into it. It says that one of them, which was titled You and Me, Mm -hmm. she wrote it over a painted American flag and hung it on the wall without telling anyone that it was her poem. (laughs) And people would get really uncomfortable when they read it. And then she finally took it down after a boyfriend read it and freaked out thinking it detailed her true experience. My God. (laughs) What did this poem say? I mean, I know I'm like so scandalous. I wish we saw it. I mean, once again, it's like any of the stuff that I'm like, she's describing, like, 
to show us the American flag. But I like uh, how she's like, she took it down. She probably had to like get rid of it. Imagine yeah. that was just like in a dumpster. Someone's like, cool piece of art. Oh. <laughs> um, so we're going to kind of just give a content warning here. Drew lost her virginity at a young age. She was only 14. YM once reported it was on the set of Far From Home. This article talks about that it was in the desert. And this is, it's kind of hard to read. The guy was aggressively pursuing her and she kind of was like, doesn't sound like she's having the best time. She says yeah. like, I kept my eyes closed the whole time. I mean, it's just hard to read. We're not going to go in it, into it too much, but she does kind of say like, it was kind of disappointing. Like my friends acted like it was the best thing in the world. And like, I didn't have that experience. Like beyond yeah. that, she doesn't really seem like, she's not like admitting to anything necessarily like bad. It's just We don't want to speculate, but I can't come away. I can't come away from reading it without feeling like something inappropriate happened here. Yep, exactly. We'll just say that. And then it says that she wasn't close to her mother those days, Jade, of course, um, but that they talked a lot back when this had happened. Mm-hmm. And she recounts her mother's reaction to her having had sex. <laughs> this was cool for a reason, but let me read it. Yep. Um, so it said Drew's mother never smoked. But when Drew told her, she reached for one of Drew's cigarettes and lit up. And she said, I need to take this in for a while and I'll get back to you. And she (laughs) smoked ever since. And there is a scene in Whip It (laughs) where Bliss and her mother uh, have a very similar conversation and the exact same thing happens. And clearly that came from Drew's personal life. Yep. Um, And we discussed the similarity back in our, well, we actually have two Whip It episodes of number four and five. Drew talks about how she smokes a ton of camel cigarettes. And I wrote, duh. (laughs) Although I wrote, duh, and I realized that earlier this episode, she had marble reds in her pocket. Yeah, I I know. I was thinking the same thing. I thought it was always the marble reds, but but maybe she just switched or something. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. So Chris said, but her other too much too soon consumption seemed more or less forgotten. She doesn't go to AA anymore. She flips in and out of therapy a few months on, a few months off. She's off now. And then Drew said, but I can feel it coming. And I just thought this was interesting because it's like so many people go through these cycles where it's like one vice replaces another. And it's like, yeah, smoking is not, you know, cocaine, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) that's the quote of the episode. Smoking is not cocaine. I know if that, if we titled our episodes <laughs> with a quote, that's what we would pick. <laughs> yep. And then she talks about her career trajectory and that I was kind of alluding to this earlier. So she was p- kind of playing good girls while she was a quote, coke fiend party nymphette and that she now quote, plays with the wildness with her roles through her post rehab life so that she's like clean, but she's still playing these like vampy bad girls. Yeah, you know, whereas like when she was like actually kind of in trouble, <laughs> she was like trying to find that place between I'm a teenager she and I'm a was kid. like 10 <laughs> and awkward, awkward, awkward. So she was filming babes in Toyland. <laughs> <laughs> She's just a little babe in Toyland. Um, Drew's agent says that they would like to find something for Drew that wasn't driven by her sexiness, which again, she's 18. Yeah. So weird. Um, and she said maybe a Western or Drew is a professional woman and bad girls definitely started filming like immediately after this. So I wonder if they were already eyeing it. They must've been. Yeah. Maybe that's why they said maybe a Western when they were telling Chris like, Oh, don't. (laughs) Yeah. We won't give the details, but (laughs) yeah, just allude to it a little bit. Um, and then Drew and Justine exchange I love yous as Justine goes out. And this is just a funny quote. 
And Drew says, we're like an old married couple. We really are. I wish I could find a boyfriend like Justine. And she wishes she could find a boyfriend like me. (laughs) (laughs) This was interesting, even though I kind of recall some of this and maybe other things we've talked about. So Drew is furious about the release of the Amy Fisher story on video because they had, quote, uncensored scenes of her body double. And she was worried that people would think it was her. And she only filmed one love scene, which she said was 10 seconds long, and both participants were fully clothed. And then Drew, kind of in this part, kind of Drew as me, but also, again, kind of feels like an 18-year-old kid. America thinking that I'm letting this man go down on me makes me want to vomit. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame her. And that like, ugh, the fact that they like, because I know it was like the uncensored version, Drew Barrymore, totally naked. Yeah. And she's 18. Yeah. She was 17. Oh my God. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> the article finishes up talking about a recent GQ profile, which was in the March 1993 issue mm-hmm. of GQ. And it says it was unfavorable, which we'll have to go back and read that. I don't know. Maybe it was just Drew's perception. Yeah. So it upset her. And in the article, they said that she sashayed with attitude around her house, (laughs) to which she replied, please, I don't sashay. (laughs) And then Chris jokes that she sashayed rather well. And then Drew pouted theatrically and said, I shimmied for you, darling. (laughs) And that's the end. Yeah, that's really, it's a really cute way for it to end. He just really has a good, right way of like setting the whole thing in your mind and giving fun details. Yeah. Um, again, I wish there wasn't so much talk about how sexy she is, uh, but it's a product of his time. Yep. Yep. It absolutely is. I. It feels like 1993 feels late for some of this mindset but i'm also like no like no i mean i also i'm like i'll watch things from like 2000 and i'm like ooh, yeah oh yeah the early 2000s were rough Uh, i'm sure we'll hit on some of that stuff eventually but at least she was an adult at that point yeah absolutely totally um yeah anything else we want to say about the article i think we've got it all summed up i think we got it summed up and i think it was a fun one some interesting tidbits that I had forgotten and just a fun perspective from a young kind of rising again, Drew. Yeah. I think that was the earliest profile we've ever gone through. Oh, cool. Uh, we'll have to just keep going backwards in time. Yeah. But yeah it'd be interesting to do like three, which is fun. Yeah. It'd be interesting to do like some of the big ones, like 89 people or something oh, like yeah. that to like really get into her little brain. <laughs> Get into her, her little still brain. forming brain. That's not creepy <laughs> at all, is it? <laughs> um, yes, we're creeps and thanks for listening to us. <laughs> Absolutely. Anybody wants to rate, review, subscribe. I actually have an idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it up on Instagram, but I'll do it here too. Okay. The first person who leaves us a new review on Apple Podcasts, a positive one. Um, I have lots of issues of flower press, the very hard to find. Newspaperish publication Drew did before she started Drew Magazine, and I will send you a copy anywhere in the world. First person who does it. So if you do it when this comes out, awesome. If you do it after I post about this on Instagram, you'll get it there. What if? What if like five people do it? All five of you. <laughs> Chris Miller sent us a huge box of them. <laughs> so many. That's quite a sweet deal. I mean, I don't. You can't get those anywhere. 
I know. So stay tuned. Um, you can follow us on our Instagram, as I mentioned, and that's at how do you drew pod. And then we also have at Drewzium for every other kind of drew content you could possibly need news, old stuff, rare photos, stuff from our personal collections to go check it out. Yes. We have quite a backlog on, on our Drewzium Instagram. It's quite impressive. Make sure you visit our website at howdoyoudrew.com where there are episode pages for every episode carefully curated every week. Uh, send listener mail to howdoyoudrewpod at gmail.com. And I just thought of a new fun thing to do at the end of the episode. I'm just going to ask you okay. a surprise personal question. And my question <laughs> for you today is, if you had to choose one country's cuisine to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh. <laughs> All right. It's very easily between Mexico and Italy. Yeah, same for me. <laughs> Oh my God. Somebody asked me this and I was like, first I was like, definitely Italy. And then I was like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I went definitely Italy. And then I went, hold on. I don't, I crave Mexican food more than I crave Italian. I eat more so. Italian food, but I, my favorite food is, is Mexican food. Yeah. I'm going to go Mexico. Okay. Shout out to our neighbors below. Yep. Mexico. <laughs> Mexico. 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 <laughs> Tell us what your answer is if you stayed till the end of the episode. <laughs> yes. Prove to us you didn't turn it off when we started reading our little spiel. Yes. <laughs> and maybe you'll also get, no, actually, you still have to do the podcast review in your review. Yeah, in your review. Tell us which country. Cuisine you would eat for the rest of your life. All right, everybody. We'll see you next Thursday. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye. This episode of the How Do You Drew podcast was researched and produced by Ashley and Anne from thedrewzium.com with help from our sponsor, Positive Medium. Special thanks to Matt Costa for our lovely theme song, Roxy Prima for our adorable logo, and last but not least, Drew Barrymore and all the Drewbies who love her. We do this for you. Thank, Thank you. you.